0: One of the things that I say a lot of the time in the classes is that I become more beautiful when I acknowledge another woman's beauty, but we are taught to do comparison, competition, pit each other you know, against each other. Yet when you give that up and you start to celebrate another woman, you actually step into way more because you're actually doing... You're connecting with her and communing with her and the gift that she is that gets to light up something that is the gift that you are. So yeah, I would love to take this conversation to so many places and whoever's listening right now, like start to look at where you just naturally with not even a cognitive thought, do competition with women and do comparison of you against another woman's beauty. And if that wasn't a choice to be made, what would be possible beyond all of it that would bring us together so that we could lift each other up Mm. and celebrate one another?
1: Welcome to The Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed, gets healed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Revelation Project Podcast. Today, I'm with Sarah Grandinetti, and Sarah is starting a movement that invites women to be who they are. She's more than just a pretty face. She's a wife, mother of four, an international educator, and a guide to greater consciousness. Her classes explore such topics as parenting, relationships, money, and more. Having recently left the Los Angeles celebrity salon she owned for fifteen years, she has now dedicated herself to changing the conversation about beauty. Amen. Inspired by the book Being You Changing the World, authored by her brother, Dr. Dane here, Sarah has created Being You Beauty. A class experience offering tools, insights, and conscious conversations designed to dismantle the overbearing beauty standards and reveal what is actually possible when you include you and your body in what you perceive as beauty. Being You Beauty is a worldwide movement. Having just completed a 7-day social media challenge with thousands of participants, Being You Beauty asks the compelling question, what have you defined as beauty that limits you from receiving your own beauty? Beyond the trendy ad campaigns used to sell quick fixes, Sarah knows there's nothing to fix. She's on a mission to inspire us all to acknowledge the beauty we truly be and the gift that unique brand of beauty is to the world. Welcome Sarah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Me too. I love, okay, so I want to just first say that the thing that stands out the most to me is this claiming beauty, claiming it, because so many of us are taught that there's some kind of a beauty standard. And I used to do a photography workshop with women. And so many women would see the images and say, why do you only photograph beautiful women? And I would say,
0: because that's all there is. You're next, right? I love that. Yes. I've actually had an example or an experience just like that in a class, you mentioned my brother, Dr. Dane here, and someone said, Hey, you only bring to him in a class, you only bring beautiful women up on stage. And I was like, Well, yeah. That's all there <laughs> like, is. Oh, that's all there is. And I, I, it's so funny that you just said that because that was one of my defining moments to know that I saw something different. That I, you know, we all think that we look at the same things in the same way, but we're all so different. And that was um, a highlighted moment in my life when I did not understand that point of view at all. And I needed Dane to break it down for me to get me to understand the judgment that that person was giving him because it didn't make any sense to me that that was something wrong. Say more about that, Sarah. Yeah, say more about that.
1: Like the judgment piece.
0: The ju- well, the judgment piece was that Dane had actually invited people in a class in an access consciousness class to share with him his, their judgments of him, because he was showing us what it was like to receive judgment and not have to push it out, keep it out and how you could just receive it and let it flow through you. And so a person went to the mic and said, well, my judgment of you is you only bring beautiful women on stage. And I ran to the mic right after that and said, Dane, can you help me? Because I don't understand how that's a judgment. It seems like a truth to me why is that a judgment? And he had to walk me through it like a kindergartner to explain to me where this person was coming from and creating that judgment. It was so much about how this woman had never been chosen to go on stage. And because she had decided yeah, she w- or defined herself as not beautiful, she kept herself separate from all of the women who she decided were beautiful that were being chosen. So beauty was separate from her. So she would never be chosen
1: so fascinating. And over here, I was projecting that it was a man that said that. Oh, yeah. So there's another one, right? Like yeah, it's, it's totally. like, it's, there's so much projection, judgment, and it is, it's coming from ourselves. Often we're projecting what we ourselves are longing for. And so there's that claiming piece that it's like, dare to claim that you are beautiful. Dare to claim that you can have that. And it's just a wonderful kind of like, Head switch, you know, like there's this way that we just continually kind of tell ourselves a disempowering story.
0: Exactly. And our beauty, our beauty, Monica, is an untapped resource. So basically, like you either dig in and get the gold out and claim that as yours, or it goes untapped, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah. And so if we're willing, one of the things I always say is, um, are you willing to corner the market on your brand of beauty? Because you're you are your own unique brand. You any other realm, if something was a one of a kind, we would celebrate it. If it was a one of a kind gemstone, if it was a one of a kind car coming off the the line, we would be like so excited to have the one of a kind. As soon as it comes to us and our beauty and our body and our being, we're like, no, we must be like everybody else to be valuable. It's wild, but how do we change it?
1: I was reading a quote on your website that said, "Why are you trying so hard to fit in when you were born to stand out?" And that's that piece. It's like we we do ourselves such a disservice when we don't celebrate our uniqueness. And there's I know that visibility, that way to just be who we are with full permission is such a difficult journey for, I will say most women. And I, I wondered if you could kind of just start by, and and then of course, I want to go back into your background and talk about your, you know, celebrity world and leaving that. But I wanted to start really like, why do you think that is? Why is it so hard for women to give themselves permission to be visible in their unique beauty?
0: I think there are so many whys, but I really love that you were you introed with the fact that i also do parenting classes because i truly believe that a lot of our points of view and a lot of how we have to show up in the world we are mimicking from what we were taught was right and wrong good and bad from our parents mm-hmm. and our parents not that our parents were wrong they were taught that this is how you show caring is that you protect and you tell your child when to like turn it down and when it's okay to turn it up and how to tiptoe through the world without making very many waves and we as women learn what we get to be in the world from everywhere, media, TV, you know all sorts of things and what where our beauty is received or where it's not. and so I get that what happens is we start to take all these labels of what is good about us and what we've decided is bad about us, slap them on ourselves and we get out in the world and we're like, this is who I am, but it's not. It's when you start to undefine pull those labels off, see what's underneath that shows you the radiance of your true being. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that? So within access consciousness, we talk about really going into being in the question, everything that you've defined about you, whether it's your beauty and your body, whether it's your being, whether it's what you would call your personality is to go, wow, is that actually true for me? Is this actually who I am? Or am I Am I being something that I was shown to be by my mother or a school teacher or, you know, a relative or a lover or whatever? Okay, cool. If I didn't have to be that anymore, what could I be? Mm -hmm. And being in constant question is how we actually start to undefine ourselves.
1: Well, and you know, I love that the un, the unbecoming, the all of it, right? Like I do I, I always say, you know, like the first half of my life was was about fitting in, and now I'm just like, ah, I can breathe again, right? Like I just this unbecoming process is so amazing. and it's like as the layers come off, I'm discovering so much beauty in myself, my unique way of navigating the world, my unique way of seeing the world, and it's so interesting because. I think another thing that we're taught as women is that our beauty is limited to a certain time frame in our life. Mm-hmm. And I have never felt more beautiful in my 50s because I'm filled with beauty. There's just, there's such a huge conversation here that I think is so limited by kind of these social standards of beauty, which I will also... uh assert that those standards are set out, they're impossible standards set out by patriarchal culture, that it kind of celebrates this maidenhood where women are kind of essentially suspended in this young, immature, uninitiated way of being, which to me is, again, it's that tiny, aspect of who we are along the journey. And it's one small place. And it's such a limited understanding of what beauty is. So I want to now just get really curious to go back to your love of questions. I want to I am also a big lover of questions and curiosity. And I want to know what was, how did all of this occur for you? Because obviously you were working with celebrities, you had your own salon, you had your own business, and there was something more.
0: Yeah. Well, taking me back to the salon is really cool because once I started to really dig in with the access consciousness tools and starting to live as the question, I started to become way more aware of the world around me as you do. And so, as I was would work with a client, a client would sit down, and instead of celebrating her beauty, she was constantly asking me, um, and this is multiple clients. I need, you know, this haircut to hide my chin, or I need this haircut because I have a big forehead, or can you color my hair beautiful so I'll feel beautiful? And it was always this external ask of me, rather than celebrating what was beautiful about her. Mm-hmm. So, what I started to do in my salon um, was actually take all consultations in front of the chair instead of standing behind the chair where you're looking through the gaze of the woman's or or men's judgment into the mirror. I started to come around and see the difference of looking her in the eye and celebrating something that I saw about her that she wasn't willing to see. And it changed the whole culture of the salon. And the, the Yelp reviews and the feedback that we were getting was like, what is so different about this place? And it was really because we were no longer being the one that creates the beauty instead of the one that celebrates the beauty that's already there. And so this whole movement started to happen. I started to use the access consciousness tools in my business, asking questions that um, opened up possibilities rather than going to the limited point of view of what was wrong and what we have to fix. And when I saw that taking place, I was like, okay, what else can I be here? And I started to go into facilitating being you classes from the being you changing the world book that you mentioned by my brother, Dr. Dane here. And I was like, okay, what else? And then now I've created a being you beauty class that really does look for what we can be or what we already be actually, that um, has never been uncovered and unveiled to us.
1: Yeah. What we already be. And And learning to celebrate, it's a practice. Celebrating is such a practice because it's so not what we've been taught to do. I love, love, love what you just said, that shift between creating the beauty to celebrating the beauty. And just by changing your vantage point, it shifted everything. And instead of standing behind, looking in the mirror, getting in front and looking at her and pointing out and celebrating what, what you saw. It's like, wow, what a, what a shift. What a revelation.
0: You would be surprised about how many women don't even know the colors that are in their eyes. They're, we're not taught to look and admire. We're not taught to, to see ourselves. It's like always a reflection of judgment. And so when you can be in front of a woman or a man, but and stand there with no judgment and perceive the beauty of them, it actually radiates louder because you're there acknowledging it with no walls and barriers. And I've invited women to say, Hey, what if, what if we added these color highlights? Because it'll bring the specks out in your eyes. And women will be like, I have specks in my eyes, What? yeah, and I'll have them come to the mirror and get closer and look, and they will be, you know, some women have been brought to tears because they've never actually looked at their own eyes. Mm -hmm. That's the wild thing that's out there. That's just beautiful.
1: And to go back to this workshop, the mirror can be really tricky. And we used to request that women not look in the mirror while she was with us for the entire duration of the workshop, because there's a way that we discovered that a mirror has her basically disassociate. And so the project, you know, in the beginning was really about Reinhabiting ourselves and giving ourselves pl- full permission to truly see ourselves as we are and to celebrate every aspect, warts and all. Absolutely. And to just really be in that place of self approval constantly. Because when women stand in that place of self-approval, and she's unapologetic for who she is, it's different than not apologizing for behaving badly. It's more about giving ourselves permission to be fully self-expressed in who we are, and just celebrating that and you know, it just changes your whole body posture. I mean, I think about how that just just even that, the way that we often apologize for ourselves just in how we walk, in how we dress, in how we take up space in the world. It's like, no, not
0: that. To have a woman show up and just take up space, that's beautiful. Agree 100%. I love that you brought up how we walk and how we stand and how we be the space of our being, because it's so easy to take a backseat as a woman. It's so easy, but not just like, I know we talk about it, like in like the corporate ladder, climbing the corporate ladder and all of the things that women have had to deal with over the years. I'm more talking about the space of being just to how we are so entrained to give ourselves up, whether it's to the kids, whether it's to the husband, whether it's to beauty standards, whatever that is to just go, you know what? I'll give myself up here. That's just going to be more ease where the empowerment of women and what you're creating with your podcast and all of your platforms. And like what I've learned with access consciousness and what I create is really to start to open up the space where you can choose to be more of you, which then the beauty comes forward and comes, comes to front. And you, I've seen people's faces change, their bodies change because they're actually being now rather than taking a backseat in their life, whether figure, figuratively or otherwise.
1: Yeah, it's so true, Sarah. You know, I was... I often observe because I have the opportunity to with so many women and the ones who are showing up are animated and self-expressed and unapologetic and fun and funny and, you know, willing to be messy. Those are the ones that I'm like, those women stick with me. They stick to me. Like they, there's something that happens in the chemistry of my own body when a woman shows me her full self. It's literally like she blessed me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And one of the things that I say a lot of the time in the classes is that I become more beautiful when I acknowledge another woman's beauty, but we are taught to do comparison, competition, pit each other you know, against each other. Yet when you give that up and you start to celebrate another woman, you actually step into way more because you're actually doing, you're connecting with her and communing with her and the gift that she is, that gets to light up something that is the gift that you are. So, Yeah, I would love to take this conversation to so many places and whoever's listening right now, like start to look at where you just naturally with not even a cognitive thought do competition with women and do comparison of you against another woman's beauty. And if that wasn't a choice to be made, what would be possible beyond all of it that would bring us together so that we could lift each other up Mm. and celebrate one another? yeah well back to that
1: training ground and how we're socially conditioned, there is that and I think we we pointed to it when you were talking about the parenting aspect because the wound comes from that childhood experience and the modeling that we had, and even if we managed to avoid it with our parents, which uh, <laughs> you know is rare you know if you did like wow. Um, but 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 even then, you know, you're socialized through school, like there's just a way that you kind of learn how to do that. It's just it seems to be in so ingrained in our culture. But one of the things that I loved also revealing was that before jealousy is jealousy. And this is, of course, from the work of Mama Gina and a wonderful coach that I've had over the years, whose name is Megan Joe Wilson, that jealousy is actually admiration. It just turns. And that same alchemy can be used the other way. To notice our jealousy and to actually be like, wait a minute, that's not jealousy, that's admiration. Let me call that out. Let me celebrate that.
0: Yeah, and that's that's so cool. I'm so glad you just shared that because one of the things I talk about too is that the we do comparison when we're little kids you're like i could jump this high well i could climb this high and we're like wow what can you do and there's this comparison thing but from acknowledgement of how we're so different and then at some point it turns to competition comparison turns into competition and i love what you that you just shared that with me thank you because yeah that if there's a nano that nanosecond that you just shared was like if you were admiring another woman or you were adoring her beauty and grateful for her beauty. And then where does that turn to now meaning something about your beauty? Mm-hmm. That if she's that beautiful, you can no longer be. And let's also not mistake that the women who are judgeably beautiful in this reality don't also have their own bag to carry because they're constantly being judged and separated from because they're judgeably more beautiful in this decade, give it another decade, right? And then the the they're looking at like, Hey, how do I connect with all these women? But the women don't want to connect with them or they keep themselves small and they go, okay, you know what? If I acknowledge my beauty, it must mean by that judgment standard that I'm going to take away beauty from someone else. Ah, right. That is such a huge thing that shows up in classes, women that are just hiding what they know to be true about them, which is the judgeably good, right beauty. And they're hiding it because they feel so guilty to have it and they think that it's if they show it or they shine it bright that someone else has to feel small and that's the, another lie of this reality.
1: Yeah, and you know, that I love that you brought up kind of that reverse beauty kind of thing because I got to tell you that was true for me and I've had this grief lately that I spent so much time trying to dumb down or to to not shine that bright, because I wanted friends, I wanted friendship. And in my high school, right, like moving into another territory, it was suddenly like, I was left out unless unless I started to kind of dull my shine, women weren't gonna want to be friendly with me. And there was also also that exterior. And it was always so funny growing up, because I thought, I've always felt so misunderstood because I didn't see myself the way other people projected upon me. And of course, if you even pull attention to that in our culture, you just sound stuck up, you know, or like all the things, right? But back to all of this projection around beauty, we cannot even begin to imagine what it's like to be in another woman's shoes unless we dare to step in them for a minute and look through another perspective. We're just going to be in that projection mode otherwise. And to get curious and to ask questions, it's like, what is it like to be you? And that knowing as we start to kind of reveal those aspects of beauty and the way we've been inculturated to think about it, that we're more alike than different. And what we all really are desiring is to feel seen and known.
0: And I would say the Greatest way to get there is to start being willing to see you. A great question is, if I were truly being me today, what would I be able to acknowledge about me right away or acknowledge about my beauty right away? Mm-hmm. We keep we look so much for the outside validation, whether it's from the, the beauty standards that you're looking for, um, whether it's from your hairstylist or your lover or whomever that you were looking to be validated for your beauty, if you start to acknowledge your beauty, even just 2% more today, it will start to change. And the comparison and the desire to compete starts to dim and fade out of your world. When you start to have more of you and the gratitude for you and your beauty, it's no longer as valuable to compare yourself. And I would be lying. I'd be lying to tell you that I don't still do that. But I know I have tools that when I catch myself doing that, I, I stop and I'm like, okay, what question can I be here? What question can I ask here? And I'll I'll discover something. Whether it's I'm perceiving the insecurity in the woman that I think I'm judging, I'm perceiving how much she's judging herself, and I'm like, okay, what space can I be for her to not have to do that? Mm-hmm. And you know, and just and be in the constant. Play of the moment without having to go into the limited point of view that I'm less than or I need to compete or compare to have me.
1: And the tools really are so key because without those tools, we cannot pivot that moment. We cannot transform that moment or alchemize that moment. And that's what I have grief about are the moments when I think about, you know, how many moments I didn't have the tools. Really to pivot and, and that I did dim, that I did go into a story about myself or into the trance of unworthiness, as I call it. Because let's face it, we teach what we most needed to learn. And it was that I was worthy just the way I am, that I am worthy moment by moment by moment. So, Sarah, I want to talk about a little bit about social media here because Ugh. Right? Social media. It's like, can we all just take a big sigh? There's, I see both things happening. I see so much permission and so much redefining of beauty and so much celebration. Thank goddess, because. It's It also has to do with who I choose to follow and how I choose to nourish myself with imagery now versus harm myself with it. Or to follow people that actually are not mirroring what I most am hungry for, which is not any more of the uh, compare and despair.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, social media has been the double-edged sword. So we got to connect to a bunch more people and have our businesses out on different platforms and being received. And so our message, your message, my message, um, those that want to heal the world's message are out there for people to find. So how awesome is that? And then the other side of the sword is that we've now created a new perfection culture whether it's the perfect meal or the perfect sunset or the perfect, you know, the perfect life only putting out there what's so perfect. And now we have more ways to judge ourselves. It's like, oh, this person's living this life. When, why don't I have that life? Well, and it's funny. I've literally heard a woman in one of my classes say, well, they have that life because they're beautiful. Ah! So she gets to go on these trips and carry these fashionable handbags and wear those clothes because she's beautiful. That's, that's why I don't have that and it's it's really starting to deconstruct that culture period and where did we come to these points of view that that's the most valuable product and where are we looking to be inspired for our beauty um, i don't want to make anybody's beauty wrong like in classes i've talked about everywhere from how do we receive a woman who loves plastic surgery and how do we receive a woman who thinks you know being on natural and you know not shaving her legs is beautiful like it's all in the spectrum yes We don't have to judge or reject anyone's choices with their body, but the social media influence has starting to skew. I will say that there are new platforms being created that I'm like, yay, we're going in somewhat of a direction, body positive campaigns and such like that. But what I see a lot there is that it's like, hey... This is wrong with you, but it's okay that it's wrong with you. Let's be okay with it. You know, like let's celebrate the wrongness of you rather than there's nothing wrong with you, you're fucking beautiful. Yes. And that's that's the the thing that like I'm excited and would love to support those type of campaigns and then let's expand on them. Let's go past the right and wrong, the good and the bad. Because I know like, you know, when I was in high school, there was a certain body shape that was celebrated and I wasn't that popular. And then the minute I got out of high school, my body shape became really, really valuable. And I'm like, wow, how is that all true? If it's all disparate how is it that the 1800s, a woman with a very large body meant a certain thing and she was celebrated. And then the skinny woman comes in and that celebrated. So if you can change that easily, then none of it all has to be a lie. So what would we like to create is beauty on the planet? It
1: all has to be a lie. It's it's so interesting, right? Like, again, I just want to point out how sick that that is such a sick cultural indicator right there is even just the commodifying of what's in and what's not. We're human beings, for heaven's sake. We are, our body is a vehicle for us to experience this incredible journey. And it's just, it's amazing to me, again, how how this is still even a a thing. It makes me actually... exasperated, frustrated, right? But that energy, again, that also makes me that much more determined to amplify these messages of beauty and to change that norm. Because it is changing and I do see it and I am celebrating it. And where I'd really love to get is this understanding of interconnection, not only with everything and Stop commodifying everything. Like There's also just such an organic, innate beauty in each of us as human beings who are interconnected with the earth. And all of the ways that we get to celebrate our, our messes in our lives, our failures, our to celebrate all of those aspects because that's what helps us be who we're meant to be. So where do you get your inspiration? Like, what makes you think you can take on an industry as big as the beauty industry? Because (laughs) so much of that industry is really committed to profiting on the lack.
0: Um, Well, first of all, I'm crazy. So... (laughs) Yes, sister. But what I, what I also know before I tell you about my, where my inspiration came from, because it's a great story. I it's, What I know is that with every step I take forward, I meet people like you and together we can change it. I know it's not me. I know that I'm not going to take on this industry or, or just beauty as at large in the world and be able to change it by myself. But every little step, the universe has my back and there's some door that opens and I meet some other magical being that's like, yes, that and willing to have a conversation and put it out there. So my inspiration actually does come in story form. So as you know, like I have Dr. Dane here as my older brother and you know, your listeners haven't checked him out. They probably should. I know you've interviewed him a few <laughs> You're times. You're such a good sister. <laughs> such a good sister. I'm going to put it in the show notes. links. Okay. So I mean, uh, access consciousness and Dr. Dane here is a huge inspiration for me to just be me. He wrote a book called being you change in the world, like you said, and it just starts to explore more tools. Like you even mentioned with having the tools and be able to do that pivot point and change things. As far as the beauty industry goes, I modeled when I was a little girl and I never really understood the intensity in front of the camera. And so I was always hiding around with the hair and makeup girls and um, never wanted to go on set actually and get in front of the camera because I loved the creation that was behind, which then led me to become a hairstylist when I got older. But I still, I thought I had to do it in a certain way. If I was going to be successful, I had to be with the celebrities. I had to be on sets. I you know had to work in like film industry. And I did that for a little bit and I was just kind of unfulfilled. And I started playing more with the access tools and became a facilitator but it was my daughter who is now 13 years old, and I'm going to do my best to try to get through this without crying. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. You can cry if you want to. I'll I probably cry right along with you. So she's 13 years old now, but it was about three years ago, four years ago that over the summer, from fourth to fifth grade, she developed vitiligo, which is a skin condition, um, the pigmentation of your skin. So. If you have dark skin, it'll start to show up more white. And my husband's Italian. So she has a really beautiful olive complexion. And she started to get these white spots on her neck that started to grow up to the side of her face and her mouth. And like any good mother, I freaked out. (laughs) I was like, what's going on? So I took her to the dermatologist and the dermatologist gave her a bunch of creams and a bunch of pills for her to take to try to slow this process and maybe reverse it. And so she started to take the pills and the creams. And because we have other energetic tools and we do energetic body processes and such that change so much in access consciousness, I called my brother Dane and I said, Hey, are there any body processes I can run to give Talia's body more ease with this process of of like healing this, right? Because I was looking at it as something that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was wrong. And it was wrong because it was happening to my beautiful girl. It was happening on her face. It was wrong because of all my projections of where she would be teased, the future I was creating with all of my motherly fear. It was wrong because I couldn't stop it. It was just wrong. And my brother said to me, Sarah, I think she likes it. And to which I said, I'm going through a tunnel. Bye. And I (laughs) hung up. So I I couldn't receive that. There's no way she would like this. And so I sat with that for a few days, still giving her her medicine on time and putting the cream on her face. And she came to me and said, mommy, I don't want to take this cream. I don't want to put this cream on me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take these pills anymore. And I said, okay. And I'm, I'm, as a parent, I really celebrate giving my kids choice. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, well, tell me about that. Because it was my point of view that I needed to get through. I knew it wasn't hers. And she said, well, mommy, she's like, my vitiligo, because vitiligo changes shapes and moves on different parts of the body. She goes, I wake up every day and I run to the mirror and I don't know what I'm going to look like. She goes, who gets to wake up and not know what they're going to look like? She said, I actually really like it. I was like, I can't believe my brother's right again. So I said, I'm like, okay, baby, you don't have to wear it you don't have to take the pills anymore. And so I just started to look at my points of view about that. And so then it came time to take her back to school. And all of my stuff came up because I could learn to love this as part of her. And I had by then and she could do it, but could anybody else do it? Little kids are mean. And I was so, so wanting to go into protection mode of preparing her. That's what we do. We prepare for the worst case scenarios with our kids, but I know enough to not do that. So I held all that, that in all that fear and all that anxiety in dropped her off at school. I was the first parent in line to pick her up. And I waited for her to get in the car and she did. And I said, how was your day? And she said, great. And we did that for weeks. How was your day? Great. And I was like, when is she going to tell me that everybody's teasing her? Nobody ever did. Until one day, it's te- the teacher called me and she said, your daughter just changed my life. I've never seen anything occur that just happened the way I just saw happen in my classroom. And I said, what happened? And she said, well, her and a little boy were arguing over something like a pencil. And they started to do the thing that kids do, which like throw a dig back and forth and try to one-up each other with the dig. And she said, it finally got to a point where the little boy said, well, what are those ugly white spots on your face? To which my sweet Tolly put her hand on her face and said, Oh, this, this is what makes me unique. Oh. Instead of arguing with me, why don't you go find out what makes you unique? And the teacher said that the little boy just turned and walked away, that it was completely diffused because Talia never bought. that as something she could be. She created that reality that it's not anything she could ever be teased about because to her, it was already beautiful. And I started to look at that in so many different areas of like, if I don't have a judgment of something about my body and someone says something, it's not going to match anything. It's not going to connect with anything in my world. And she's now 13. And it was about a month ago that she said, mom, you won't believe this. She said, I have this friend who I've been friends with since fifth grade. When all this happened, she said, he just looked at me funny today. And I said, what are you looking at? And he said, when did you get those white spots on your face? And she goes, I've had these for four years. And he said, no way. He's like, I've never seen them before. But she wasn't projecting them as wrong. She was celebrating them from the very beginning that nobody got to look into her world and make her wrong for that because she owned her beauty. She owned the gift of her beauty and she didn't have to hide it. She didn't have to hide anything. I, I'm a makeup artist. I thought for sure I was going to be teaching her different techniques to cover it. She got upset this summer because she was in the sun. And when she tans on them, they start to go away. And she was like, oh no. And she wanted to actually cover them with screen, sunscreen so that she, she didn't actually have them go away. What a different point of view. Uh, okay. And that...
1: <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> did a great, great job not like, crying.
0: I'm a mess.
1: <laughs> I'm a total mess. Because... It's such a powerful (laughs) lesson in, like, if if we, I just, that's such a beautiful story. And I, the second you said you were going to tell a story about your daughter, I was looking for my tissue, because I think when it comes to our kids, again, there's nothing more powerful that can change our perspective, or that can reach into our hearts and say, pay attention Pay attention to this right here, right now. And great job, Mama, because all of the ways that you had to like confront your own stuff about beauty and allowing her to teach you something, like how beautiful is that? And yeah, I brag that we are raising and celebrating these strong, resilient, beautiful, Daughters that are able to celebrate each other, to be able to have pivoted from where I was and teach my daughter differently and to allow her to teach me what she's learning is such a beautiful dynamic. That was a beautiful story.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, one of the questions we ask in Ask Access is what's right about this I'm not getting. And that was the question I just kept asking. So, Anytime anything's going on that you cannot see the future of, you cannot see what it's creating, it seems so wrong and so daunting. You can start to ask every day what's right about this, I'm not getting. And what I know now from the inspiration that Talia just bees for me is my whole beauty dynamic of like it awakened what I already knew, but was pretending not to know. And she invited me to the space of my being, and I was like, wow. What gift is some diagnosis like this that is going to wake all of us up and I can start to tell this story to the world, invite them to the awarenesses that came from, from seeing her just step into that and never make it wrong. I was like, what else is possible here that we have never considered? And that really, she really is that, that beacon of light to a possibility that if she didn't have that diagnosis, you know, I don't know if we would have necessarily, I necessarily would have gotten there really so you know anything coming up with anything in your world around beauty or otherwise what's right about this that i'm not getting well i love that as
1: like the self love we haven't tried yet yep right exactly yeah it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful practice i love that what's right about this that i'm not getting and i'm sure that you know i was just having this conversation about an autoimmune disorder that i've had for many many years And recognizing and celebrating that it's taught me so much about how to take care of myself. It's taught me so much about how to listen deeply to what my body needs. It's taught me to stand up for myself when it comes to being shamed for not doing something or overdoing it. Because I know, like, no, because if I go down, the whole ship goes down. And just really getting... What I am to my own life and to those around me, and that I need to take care of me first before everything else. And also what a perfect question for where we're at in this pandemic. What's right about this that I'm not getting?
0: Absolutely. It's a it's a mainstay question here. And you know, there's always the beauty and beautiful energy underneath everything if you look for it. So true. And you know, a lot of us get swept away in the top layer of the tide. And really the undercurrent is what's bubbling and what's possible and what's coming to light. And if we stay in the awareness of that beautiful energy underneath, you can perceive the possibility so much quicker.
1: Well, and you just said the key word, it's not on the surface. It's not on the surface. It's the soul dive. It's the looking beneath. It's the what's hiding here in plain sight that I can't see with my physical eyes. I have to see it from another vantage point and like using all of these sensory gifts we've been getting and we've and we're honing in on, I, I assert, because I think so many of us are, are learning how to use these extraordinary senses for, for other purposes now. You know, to, I have, I've always said, you know, women are extraordinary and we were built to intuit the world, you know, in a way that I don't, you know, I think is completely uh, extraordinary. And so learning how to use these extrasensory gifts is beautiful and allows us to fill ourselves with far more beauty than we can on the surface. There's so much more nourishment when we dare to go beyond what we see on the on the surface. I couldn't agree more. So, we're already kind of at time, but I've loved this conversation so much and I always love to ask my guests, you know, like what conversation or what question have I not brought up or asked that you that you want to talk about or that you want to reveal?
0: I would love, I think the thing that's popping right now is where, you know, I, we have a lot of focus on empowering women. And I think that what another part of the conversation that we as women could be having is to know that, that we can also be a gift to empower men to acknowledge their beauty as well. Mm. The, um, I know what platform we're both on right now, but I just wanted to leave that maybe at the end of the show. Is is that young men and men, grown men, are all also part of this beauty conversation? And I see so many men having to hide that they are the effect of it as well. And so as we explore this, because the world has given us permission to explore it, what can we be for men in the world to also know that they are beautiful and that they don't have to live by the beauty standards as well? And I just, I have a son and I have daughters and I watch how the world is talking to my girls in a new way, but they're not necessarily talking to my boy. Mm. And yet, so if us women are having these conversations, where can we include the beauty of men?
1: Yeah. And Sarah, I want to dig in a little bit here because of course I'm like so curious, how do you see that happening in like I too, right? And we, you and I were talking a little bit before we started our session, and we were talking about that until my boy reached a certain age, he actually, and he'll still joke around, but he's more joking now, where before he used to be like, I want to paint my nails, you know, or or just do something funky or different with his hair, or and he is so beautiful. And again, it's there's a physicality to his beauty, but there's also like this inner radiance that is so a part of his beauty. And same with my husband, like, my husband is so is such a giver. And he's such a beautiful human being. Like when I say a beautiful human being, it's like, he's just got this extraordinary way of showing up in the world for other people
0: that I just I call that beautiful. Yeah. Of yeah. I'm with you on the boy and the man. My husband's the same way. And so is it
1: like celebrating, like point, like pointing to it, speaking to it, you know, inviting them to claim what they see, be- you know, beauty in yeah. themselves as. Yeah. And like really creating that conversation with them.
0: Yeah. And it's not to ignore that the beauty norms and the beauty standards also affect them. Mm. You know, like I have male clients who are beside themselves because they're losing their hair. I have, have a young, my son, my son had body image stuff that comes up for him that we talk about, but we, it's not on the billboards. It's yes. not being talked about. It's not, it's not in the magazines. Um, You know, right now we're, We're in a time where like beauty standards are having an expose of sorts. You know, we're um, having conversations like this about women and empowering women and the empowerment of men in their beauty is not really being talked about. And men still compare themselves to other men. They do locker room talks and whatever, but it's also, you know, their bodies are also being judged. They're being judged by women and being compared to by other men the same way that we are but there's no platform for them. There's no forum right now. Mm-hmm. And so what I know is that if we have that forum as women and we don't exclude men from the conversation, and I know that that's not where you're coming from, that's not where I'm coming from, but we can start to open up those conversations for them to have. Maybe there is a, a male leader out there that would like to have these conversations for young men to be able to explore. You know, I'm going to be a good sister again. Dane has a book called Return of the Gentleman which is which is an exploration of that, of how to be a gentleman. And I would just love to pump it up with a little bit of a beauty conversation here with you that beauty includes men as well.
1: Yeah, I, I love that you're pointing to this because it's true, it wouldn't have occurred to me because they don't necessarily talk about it, but that's what you're saying. It's not on the billboards. Yeah, And so in some ways, it's kind of like this... Hidden again in plain sight, but but it's what I'm hearing you say is it actually really works on them? It it really has its own toxicity in their lives, and just because they're not talking about it necessarily and sharing about it, it doesn't mean that it's not impacting them. And I think starting the conversation and being aware as women—that's
0: when I think that's what I'm hearing you really point to. Exactly, and. And as, as moms, as parents, as lovers, as you know, girlfriends, whatever wives, but if we start to go, okay, you know, because the entrainment of men is to not talk about it, period, whatever it is, right? Period. To go inward, to hold on to it, to sh- prove their strength by not having to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the amount of men that have melted down in my beauty classes that think they were being dragged there as a date, or you know, doing a friend Sarah a favor by sitting in, the amount of men who have come to their knees energetically and said, oh my God, this conversation actually includes me. I have something to say is you would be so surprised. And because they have dealt with their own body issues and what is the good right male body? Oh, what um, yeah. is a good the handsome man, the, you know, my son was born with a cleft lip, so he can't really grow a mustache. So he, you know, for the longest time judged his mustache growth, you know, right. Um, it seems, it seems like as a mother, I'm like, you're so handsome regardless, but how many, how many men are just hearing that from their moms or, but not from the world. Yes. yes. And so if we just, as women stepped into our own beauty, what can we actually power and inspire in men to know that they can too.
1: Yeah, I, I oh gosh, it's so important that you're revealing this because I do, you know, I do think too, as women, we are such the like the lantern bearers, right? And, and in giving permission to ourselves, we give permission to everyone. And that includes our men. And I mean, Sarah, that's just a, a huge conversation. And I'm going to, of course, get at your brother's book now because I didn't know again I know he's prolific in all ways but I didn't know he had that book and so actually picking that up too for my boy and having that conversation thank you yeah thanks for bringing that up
0: thanks for receiving it too oh my gosh and I just want to acknowledge that about you is that There are many platforms out there that are there to empower women, but from a place of rejecting men or keeping them out of the conversation because they blame men for where women are at. And this is a totally different space. And I just want to say thank you for being that space that invites that conversation.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you. I received that and it's so important to me because again, like this journey to wholeness, it it does, it obviously it's wholeness, right? It doesn't, it can't exclude, it can't. And I think the more we can reveal and feel and heal, that just means that we're creating a better world for all of us. So again, I'm celebrating your work. I'm going to keep this conversation close to my heart today and for the rest of the week and probably forever. Thank you. And for our listeners, I just want to let you know that I'll have all of Sarah's links in the show notes. I want to point you all to blog post she wrote that I got a chance to read this morning. And we didn't talk about it on air, but it's called an open letter to a mother at the pool. And it's beautiful, because it really, again, it it like spoke to my heart in such a deep way. And that has so much to do with your work with parents. And again, we didn't talk about it today. But I'd love to invite you back to talk about that. that. Because again, like our children, right? I mean, this whole parenting conversation Conversation is huge. And I think now more than ever, we're having to really address and pivot our parenting in ways that I don't think many of us have the tools. I mean, we're we're scraping for them. And I think we're doing a great job under the circumstances. But to know that you have a whole tool set as well for parents is just amazing. So thanks again, Sarah. It's just been a complete and utter joy to have you on the show. Thank you for your work in the world.
0: Thank you for having me. And um, I am so grateful for all that you're creating and that I got to be included in it. So i too. To have any other conversations with you. Great. Well, then more to be
1: revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.